Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. actually got questions before I've even started my broadcast. Wow. Wow. I have got questions. I'm just going to just demonstrate this. Look at this. Look at this. Oh, my Lord. This is a sort of spontaneous publicity we need. I've got questions before I've even started. So, Rachel and Junie, I am really, really impressed and very very happy that i've got some questions here so just so we oh no cancel just so we know what we're doing here today we are doing yeah because i know that everyone watches this without any sound on so i've got to put my banners on banners going on so yeah uh facebook live hoping everything's working okay uh and we are good to go and i've got some questions but also i've got some live questions or some you know questions already so that is awesome um i um i'm gonna go straight in because this is just uh this is great so we've got a question here let's go i'm gonna mustn't forget my questions got my ones written down here but this is ones we've got rachel rachel has Put a question here. I don't know how you've done this, Rachel. I will look into it afterwards. How have you put that question in before I started this? Was there a post on Facebook already or something? Anyway, I'm immensely grateful to you, Rachel. And your question is, hi, I'm thinking of uh, having rhinoplasty. Would like some advice on this procedure and what's realistic results? Okay. (laughs) Right. Well, Rachel. Did something happen then? Was that? Did the did the screen go blank? Was that just me? Anyway, um, Rachel, I will definitely ask answer your question to the best of my ability, but I don't do rhinoplasty. I uh, mainly do breast and body contouring. I don't uh, do facial plastic surgeries. Don't do facelifts, rhinoplasties, blepharoplasties. You know, eyes and things. I've done it in my training, so I know about it. And I was actually going to specialise in head and neck. Was my specialty at the end of my training, but. It, I then went into breast. But anyway, the I will answer your question. What having my like some advice on this procedure and what's real? Well, my advice to you, Rachel, for this procedure is that rhinoplasty, um, I actually decided quite early on in my career that I wasn't going to do rhinoplasty because rhinoplasty is a very difficult operation. And rhinoplasty really is something that you need to see a specialist about. If you see my book, which I haven't got here, but um, I've just got my second edition out now. Look at that. That's good publicity, isn't it? Anyway, I've written a book about how to choose a plastic surgeon. And uh, it says about how choosing a specialist and what have you, because plastic surgeons tend to generalize. And um, all sorts of plastic surgeons do breast surgery. To be honest with you, um, it's sort of okay for most plastic surgeons will do breast surgery. And sort of the more routine breast surgeries, like uh, breast augmentation, we're using the same size implants. Um, You know, cases where you haven't got asymmetries and things like that 
it's it's sort of okay for for any sort of plastic surgeon would be able to do that surgery just fine um but i always say that you've got to be careful of people who dabble and i think you've got to be really careful of people who dabble in rhinoplasty because rhinoplasty is so so difficult and it's so it's difficult because it's subtle and subtle changes can make a big effect on the nose so you've got to be really careful and if you overdo it then you know it's difficult to then build it back up again so rhinoplasty is one of those operations which really um, needs to be done by someone who specializes in um, that sort of thing so um, the, and you're absolutely right to ask what's realistic for results because um, the whole thing about any cosmetic surgery is matching the expectation in the surgeon's head with the expectation in your head because you can do a surgery and think, I haven't done a great job. And then the patient says, it's not what I expected. It's not, I'm not happy with that. And you're thinking, actually, that is what I expected. So why is that not, um, why have we not met there? So that's why I always encourage people to come back to clinic as often as possible. So, you know, you need to obviously have a rapport with your surgeon, look at several surgeons if needs be. I know it's difficult when they charge for consultations, but I think it's um, a good thing to get maybe several surgeons because you need to make sure that you are um, on the same wavelength as a surgeon and you've got to make sure that they're going to look after you because often you need revisions. Not often, but, you know, you may need revisions. You may need, they may not be quite happy about it. First of all, you need to give it time to settle. Um, but even when it's settled, you might need to have little bits and bobs done. So you need to be careful. You need to be confident that your surgeon's looking after you and will take you through that and will, you know, fix things if they can and things like that. So, um, yeah, good question. Really good question. Um, personally, I can't help with the rhinoplasty, but I, I would say look for someone who's doing a lot of them, can show you some photographs of some cases, maybe look for testimonials and things like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's, uh, but it can be life changing. You know, can, there's no doubt about it. It can be life changing. Um, so yeah, fantastic, Rachel. You're straightening out of the gate. In fact, I say that I don't think you were straightening out of the gate because looking at this, Junie, you have posted that question at six ten. So that is legend. Six. Oh, what time do you now? Seven fifteen. How did you post that question at six ten? Was it that? Did I, did I, um, I registered, I registered this. Is that what it was? Did it put a post up when I, anyway, Karen, you're in. Karen, got your question. I'm on it. Um, oh, rolling. Junie, you're up. Junie, step forward. Right. Junie's got a diagonal scar across her tummy from a gallbladder removal done before the days of keyhole. I remember those days, Junie. It's called a cocker's incision. Um, I would like an FDL, FDL, tummy tuck. So, uh, fleur de lis for your uh, for viewers out there. Oh God, we've got things coming in thick and fast here. Fleur de lis, uh, tummy tuck revision, revision. As I have a baggy midriff, can you cut through an existing style? One side of it would be removed, but the other side around four inches would remain. Thanks, thank you, Joni, for the question. Good question, and it's a question that I'm thinking that you sort of know the answer. Tony, because you must have seen someone who said that there's a problem because there is a problem with doing a tummy tuck when you've got a cock, uh, uh, cocker's um, incision. So a cocker's incision is a incision um, here underneath the um, rib cage, underneath the rib cage there. Um, 
and it's the way they used to do tummy tucks, big scar uh, underneath the rib cage. And it is a relative, not an absolute, but a relative contraindication to uh, tummy tuck, uh, particularly a fleur de lis tummy tuck. Fleur de lis tummy tuck is like an inverted T, so you have a scar down the bottom and a scar uh, down the middle. And um, your question is saying, can you cut through an existing scar? Absolutely, yes, you can cut through an existing scar. You can cut scars out. You can cut through scars and stitch them up and all sorts of things. There's no problem with that. That is not the problem. The problem with the Cocker's incision, this incision up here, is that when you do a tummy tuck, you're removing all the skin in the lower abdomen, not in the upper abdomen. So you remove the skin in the lower abdomen from the belly button down, and you mobilize the skin in your upper abdomen in order to pull it down um, to close the wound. So you have to undermine the upper abdomen and pull it down. And the blood supply for that top flap of skin is coming through the, the sort of your ribcage area, through the skin there. So when you've got a Cocker's incision, when you've got that incision, that's interrupted that blood supply. Now, it's obviously a very old scar because we haven't done Cocker's incisions for a while. So that's good. There might be some blood supply coming through it. But if it's going to be a tight closure, I would worry that that incision there would interrupt the blood supply to the healing wound, and you're going to have more chance of wound healing problems. Um, so if you have that scar up underneath your ribcage, that is a potential for more problems um, with the healing. So that is a problem, Junie, and you need to talk to your surgeon. You need, I would, my just gut feeling, I don't know, I don't, sort of examine you obviously and things like that but my gut feeling is i think a fleur de lis is just adding to your levels of complexity because you've got a line there and a line there so you've got the blood supply so this is only coming from that one side um because you've got a line on both so i i think a fleur de lis is pushing it um i would be inclined to move away from a fleur de lis uh tummy tuck and just go with a standard tummy tuck with a, the scar in the bottom and i would be worried about the fact that you've got a scar up there junie um, and I would be concerned. And it depends if you've got a lot of laxity and there's a big distance between the scar and what the wound will be, and there's a lot of lax skin, then you might be able to do it. But you would probably not want to make it as tight as you might otherwise make it, so therefore your result might not be as tight as it could have been. But it's a balance between giving you a fantastic result, but you don't want the wound to all break down. So you probably want to give you a less fantastic result with a better, better blood flow to that skin. But this is a discussion you need with your surgeon, but it is a worry. I'm assuming you've met a surgeon and they've said that it's a worry and because that's why you're asking the question. So I agree with that surgeon. It's a worry. Um, so, yeah, fantastic question, Junie, right off the bat. And 610, hats off to you. You're listening, people. Junie put a question in at 610. Can that be beaten? Okay. Let's try next week. It might depend on when I put my post on. I don't know, I don't know how this works. Want to get into it but there's a question related um we've got some comments here with hands and yeses and i put normally like your comments by the way guys but i can't on this thing that i've got because i've got these banners and stuff down here like stuff like that you know so because i've got that i'm not in normal facebook so i can't like things so i'll go back and like it afterwards <laughs> does that count um so what we've got is uh but we've got a question, Karen. I'm going to leapfrog you. Rachel says, thank you for your advice. Rachel, that was, you're very welcome, Rachel. Good luck with that. And I hope that has been helpful. You can put, by all means, message me or email me if you need any more advice on that one. That was the rhinoplasty, Rachel. 
Um, Terry, what is that hand? Hand up to you, Terry. In fact, the hand is quite a popular emoji, isn't it? What's with the hand? Got to get into the hand emoji. I'm not, I'm not familiar with the hand emoji. What does it mean? Hello? Now that one I'm familiar with. Yeah. Um, now this, uh, uh, Karen, I am coming back to you, but it's just that Shell has asked a question which is similar to um, Junie's question, which is, can you do a full tummy tuck if a C-section scar is quite deep? Whoa. Definitely yes, Shell. Totally different kettle of fish. So um, Junie's scar was up the top here. Stand up to demonstrate. Junie's scar, scar was up here under the rib cage. Uh, Caesarean scar is down here, down where in the same sort of place that your t- tummy tuck scar will be. Um, this is good TV, isn't it? This is this is what we want. A bit of action. Keep moving. Um, so a caesarean scar actually that's an indication for a tummy tuck uh, shell um, because that tummy when the tummy when they do the caesarean sometimes that scar is puckered and that can make your skin look more of an overhang than it actually is with a puckered scar um, and so that's an indication to do a, a tummy tuck in fact often a mini tummy tuck which is sort of um, slightly smaller version of a full tummy tuck as the name suggests. Um, so yeah absolutely so if the scar's deep basically the scar what's happened is they've cut through all the through of the skin down to the abdominal wall to deliver your baby and uh, that scarring has scarred all the way down and that causes that deep uh, indented scar which people don't like and makes the, as i say it makes you look like you've got more of a fullness above the scar than you actually have it's just the dented in scar so by releasing that scar by doing a either a full or a mini tummy tuck and getting some fat underneath the scar you actually excise the old scar you give you a new scar in the same place but what we try and do is get some fat underneath the scar so you don't get the same problem you can't guarantee it but that's a good indication for a for a tummy tuck a full or a mini tummy tuck is a is a indented in cesarean scar so that is a good indication for it so um still on the live questions we've got uh, so thank you very much uh, for that shell and if i would it's a wave it's a wave. There we go. It's a wave. It's official. So, guys, if you're wondering what my hand was, it's a wave. So, thank you. Thanks, Karen. Um, I've learned that, and you will be seeing that in my um, in my posts. You will be seeing the wave. I will be utilising that to the full. Uh, and what I've got now is I've got to look at this. Look at this. Karen asked a question. Um, oh, Karen, and so thanks a wave. Thank you. Um, oh, God, look at this. Shadow saying thank you. You're welcome. Um, Karen, I am my surgery with you next Tuesday. How long after can I drive? Um, well, there's there's sort of two questions there, Karen. Well, there's not. It's one question, clearly. But there's two things to say. One thing I would say in general, how long can you drive after surgery? And the other is how long can you drive after your surgery, uh, which is clearly what your question is, because you don't care about um, how long you drive after surgery. Generally, do you? But after surgery, I'm going to answer that anyway for the um, viewers um, at home. So um, after surgery, generally, you can generally drive after a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, um, t- uh, depending on. So I don't really want to talk I, I, because. You know, you can tell people what you're having if you want, but I'm not going to really divulge that, Karen, because it's not just between you and me. Um, So so generally, surgery is a couple of weeks. Uh, It depends on having done. So breast surgery is often like sometimes after a week, particularly breast augmentation, breast implants after a week. It might be all right, but I normally say to stuff like a breast reduction, slightly bigger. 
uh, and tummy tucks are bigger so they're like two to three weeks and then I just gradually go into it so like with work and things you ask me for work or not yeah so often people ask for work but you so often I say three weeks to be safe after something like a tummy tuck sometimes and one of my questions actually Karen this is going to segue oh my god it's almost like this was planned this is going to segue into my question here oh what my emoji hasn't worked Oh, God, is that, is that me? Did it just say a square after time? I'll put an emoji there. Anyway, um, someone's asking about having two operations at the same time. So sometimes people have two operations at the same time. In fact, the question was about having two operations at the same time. And my answer to that was, Karen, I am coming around to the answer. I know it looks like I'm being a bit around the houses. So can you have two operations at the same time? So it depends on what operations you're having. So it's quite common for people to have, like, for instance, breast and tummy operations. But that does knock you back, and it does knock you back quite a bit, uh, particularly um, the, the tummy side of things. So um, I would say if you're having that sort of surgery, it's going to be at least three weeks. So I guess that's the answer, Karen, uh, at least three weeks. Uh, and then sort of gradually get back into it and see how you go and then build it up. Um, so short distances to start with. But um, surgery like breast and tummy is, is quite common. And it is uh, usually the tummy, as I say, that knocks you back more. Um, so I've just done one just now, just to, just just before I came here. I've just done a breast and tummy op. Uh, yesterday I did a tummy and legs op, which is sort of the same sort of area. So can you have two operations at the same time? If they're the same sort of area, then yeah, fine, because you sort of laid up after your tummy tuck, so your legs healing is not so bad. The problems come when people have two different areas, like um, sorry, dog. Um, the uh, for instance, arms and legs, like if you're having an arm reduction and thigh reduction, that's quite a big deal. So I think I would sort of be careful about doing different areas because if your arms are out of action and your legs are out of action, mm. bit bit grim. Whereas if you're having a tummy tuck and breast, you sort of like trunk is out of action. So it depends on where the operations are and what parts of your body are. And if they're in the same sort of area of your body, then yes, two operations is is reasonable. Um, but if they're in different areas, then it might be a, you know more of a problem for recovery. So just think of yourself. Think yourself if you've got your arms bandaged up and your thighs bandaged up and you've difficulty walking and difficulty moving and getting out of bed and getting into bed and, you know, doing stuff. So um, so it, it, two operations can be done at the same time. And I can understand there's cost advantages to that, but also recovery advantages that you want one recovery and all that sort of thing. So it's very common to do two, two operations at the same time. But you've got to think about what operations they are as to whether they sort of fit together because this is believe it or not you thought i'd have planned it there we go this legs leads me to my next question which is a patient who's asking actually i say a well it is a patient it's not my patient it's a patient who's inquired on uh the email about excision of a big uh, well what she's had is a she's already had a, a, an excision of a big tattoo on her thigh so there's two parts to her question one is no oh, actually that's a different patient no, there's a patient with one on the, the, the thigh on the arm saying, can I have both? And that goes back to um, me saying about the two op She's going to have one thigh and one arm out of action. I'm mixing my questions now. Um, so, yeah, so that, that's, I'm really going back to this one, aren't I? Yeah, so two operations at the same time. So the patient, the, the lady's asked about, it's got a linear scar, a linear tattoo on the arm and the thigh. Yes, you can have them both at the same time, but it might knock you back a bit having both arm and thigh out. But that's just a decision of a tattoo, so hopefully it's not just, but it might be a bit tight and a bit uncomfortable. But um, yeah, 
back on this one now. So yeah, you can have your arm and thigh, but you just think of it, it might be a bit uncomfortable to have it both down at the same time, but uh, perfectly reasonable. You see, this is a patient who has got in touch through email, who has got a very big tattoo on her thigh, and she's undergoing serial excision, and she's had one excision, and she's worried because um, the, she feels that the, um, the tissues underneath the, the uh, uh, tattoo have been removed, and she's lost volume in her thigh, and she's really worried about having another excision because she feels her thigh is smaller than the other thigh, um, and she's really worried. So my answer to you is that the... Um, it, well, I didn't do the surgery, so, um, but, but I think I understand what's happening. And what happens when you do the surgery? A lot of plastic surgery, sort of like rubbing, pe rubbing Peter to pay Paul, you know, we are actually taking stuff away. We are borrowing skin from places, you know. Um, so we do take, it's, it's only skin that you take away with a tattoo. So it's very unlikely that he will have taken or she will have taken the, any underlying fat or any underlying tissue from your thigh. But when you take skin away from your thigh, you're going to close it tight. And it's like um, it's like having a balloon or something and put a tight coat around the balloon, you know, tightening it. It makes it look narrower, even though the volume of the balloon is the same. You're just making it tight and it's going to look narrower than your other thigh. Now, that scar does soften and, and, uh, and, and settle over time. And as the scar settles, the thigh will look more like the other thigh. It may never look the same as the other thigh if you measure it you know, carefully. But to be honest with you, the photos I saw of your thigh, it looked pretty good already. I didn't look, I didn't see an, an obvious difference in your thighs. And one of the problems when you have surgery is that you get really focused on stuff and you think, hold on a minute, this thigh is smaller than that thigh. Oh my goodness me, if I have another excision, it's going to like fade away. It, I mean, in normal life, everybody's got asymmetries with their thighs, with their feet, with their hands, with their ears, with their eyes, with their breasts doesn't matter there's always asymmetries but when you're born with the asymmetries you can sort of accept it a bit more than when you have them you acquire them by a particularly by a surgeon cutting a bit of skin off your thigh so i think you do look at things very very carefully when you have surgery which is not unreasonable because you've paid a lot of money for your surgery and what have you but um but i think what i would say is that that scar will set, settle and the thigh will settle the shape, shape of your thigh will settle and um I hope it will be acceptable to you, and you're asking, should I have another one? I'm like, well, you could go down the route of laser again. It is a black tattoo, so it might respond to, to laser. You've already got this one big scar. I can't really answer the question whether you should have another excision or not, but it'll, the same thing will happen. It will get tighter again. More tissue will be removed. If you look at the amount of size of your tattoo, it's a width like that, so it's a big tattoo. That skin has got to have gone from your thigh by the end of this, and so it, your thigh is going to suffer to some degree, um, and it may well look a bit narrower than the other thigh. Um, but I think it looks worse to, to start off with, and then it settles and softens. Um, and I would hope it will be acceptable to you, but I don't think he's or she has taken a big chunk of tissue from underneath the thigh. They've just taken the skin out because they've closed it tightly. It looks sort of narrower. So um, we've done the um, two ops. We've done the tattoo thigh. Should I have a emoji? Emoji's not there. There's no emoji. <sighs> the thinking emoji there. Flip it there. Come on, man. Right. Anyway, just imagine the thinking emoji there. Should I have a mole removed? So um, there's two things with moles. First of all, are they cancerous or not? If you're worried about them, if they've changed, by all means, you can send us a photo and things like that. We can have a look at them. Uh, but a lot of the history depends on the. Uh, sorry, a lot of the diagnosis depends on the history. So we're looking for a change in a mole. 
if it gets darker, lighter, starts bleeding, starts itching, you know, anything like that, then um, you you would think about, well, is it turning cancerous? So that's something you might need to have something done. And um, you might have, then, then I would say to you, yes, you should have it removed or you should have it biopsied. If there's any worry about it, you should have it biopsied. The problem comes, which is in this case, is when it isn't anything to worry about. It's been there all your life. It's never changed. And, uh, oh, they are coming up. Oh, the emojis are coming up. Oh, did you get the thinky emoji? So the thinking emoji there, is it? I've just got a square. Oh, that's good. Um, hi, Lynn. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Um, nice to see you here. Um, just going about moles, can't remember what I was saying. That. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the problem comes when they're, when they're um, not, you're not worried about cancer. So they've been there all your life. They're never changed. They're never bleed. They're an itch. You know they're not cancerous. You just want to get it removed. Should I have it removed type thing? Really hard to answer that question because... I normally say, look, a mole's a normal thing. It's a natural thing. If you have it removed, it's going to leave a scar of some sort. You could call it a mark or a, you know, a, a red patch, but it's a scar basically. So it's going to leave a scar because the mole, the pigment usually goes through the skin. So you're going to have to, well, even if you do a shave excision, you're going to leave a mark. Um, so there's going to be a mark of some sort. So it's a question of weighing up the, be the benefits of having the mark against the mole and it depends on how much you dislike the mole if you don't dislike the mole that much and if you're having to ask the question should i have it removed and perhaps i say to you you need to think about it and not have it removed because you can have it removed at any time once you have it removed you can't sort of have it put back on again um you know you can't get rid of this well you can not have it put back on again but you can't get rid of the scar you know you can't you know what if you don't like the scar and think oh we shouldn't have it done it's like well you know, you can't go back from that. But what I would say is the scar is often worse to start off with than it fades. So you have to go through that period where the scar is worse and then it does fade over time. Um, but, uh, you know, so that's the benefit of the scar. It will fade, whereas the mold just sort of stays where it is. But in answer to answer the question, you should have it moved. Now, first of all, you need to get it checked out, but it's not cancerous. Um, so you can come and see us. We do free consultations or you can go to GP or whatever. But, you know, once you ha once it's not cancerous, so there's not been any recent change and um, it's not caused you any symptoms like bleeding or itching or anything like that, then it's really up to you whether you have it removed. It's hard for us as doctors to say to you, you need to have it removed because it really becomes a cosmetic thing there. And you're trading one cosmetic thing for another cosmetic thing. You're trading the mold in or for, uh, for the scar. I say it's cosmetic. It might be functional. It might cut. Sometimes things can raise moles and catch, bleed when you shave and rub on bra straps and what have you so there might be functional issues but you have to decide whether those functional issues are sufficient to warrant having it removed um it's a risk benefit thing as is so much in cosmetic surgery it's a risk benefit there's risks with everything and there's benefits obviously otherwise people wouldn't have it done and you just have to decide for your body whether the the, the uh, benefits are outweighing the risks and for your you know your your how you feel about the thing that you're having it done and really only you can answer that we can tell you what the risks are we can tell you what the benefits could be and what you can expect you know going back to the rhinoplasty thing but really it's up to you to decide whether it is right for you um, we can't really tell you that we can't say oh crikey you need to have that mole off you know if it's benign sort of thinking um so oh, it's been really really did i talk too quickly there where's my um So that was, I'll tell you what, I'm very happy with that. I'm very happy with the uh, interaction there. 
that's very very good so thank you all uh for interacting uh, same time well hmm, maybe the same time i don't know maybe a bit late next week but we'll see how we get on don't know. Uh, i think i said that last week so um i'll be here next week and listen Joni, you've set the benchmark there Junie, sorry uh, you set the benchmark 10 past six question came in so get your questions in there before i even start it oh awesome i'm so happy about that that's never happened before so thank you Junie and rachel thank you both for that um i'm going to check myself out i'm going to have some dinner and uh i've been jonathan Stoyana. um thank you for watching and i am going to see you next week oh unless you've got any questions any questions no i'm not seeing any all in fair warn Buona sera, Anna gets in. Come on, Anna. Yeah, I wonder where you were. Buona sera, Anna. Good to see you here. And uh, I'm going to check out uh, next week. I will see you here. I'm going to end the broadcast. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag... Ask JJ. We'd love to hear from you.